I want to take some time this morning. I, I've got, I, I want to talk about forgiveness, but I want to place it on the cross. So I want to take some time this morning, and I want us to see, I mean, we've been celebrating Easter. I enjoy celebrating Jesus. And we had an amazing egg hunt on Friday. We had a number of people that do not come here that came and participated. And what I find interesting is although the world commercializes and they put a bunny in this, in this time, they are celebrating Jesus. They're celebrating Easter. And as I was meditating and, and preparing, I went to the cross and I wanted to see some things about forgiveness, but I wanted to see it through the cross and how Jesus, what he did. So I want to take a few minutes this morning to look at, at the cross. I want to look at it in the word forgiveness. And the word forgiveness, there's, there's nine different words with various contexts and various uses in the Bible. Nine different words. One of them is the word forgive. Another word is the word to cover. And it says to cover with pitch. And it actually is referring back to and has reference back to the ark. And when, they, when, when Noah built the ark, God said, I want you to cover it with pitch. There's an aspect about walking in forgiveness that covers things. Sometimes I think we, we think forgiveness is, 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 I'm sorry, it's okay, I forgive you. But there's an aspect about forgiveness, and one of the words is to cover. It, it talks about love, and love and forgiveness I find are, you walk in love all the time, but you, to walk in forgiveness is an exercise of love. To exercise forgiveness is to exercise love. Love is, is larger, but forgiveness takes love. It takes, it takes an acceptance. It takes a covering. And one of the thoughts with respect to love from 1 Corinthians 13, it says love covers. Love bears all things. Another word for forgive is the word bear, as in to carry. I think sometimes we think the word forgiveness is only to say, it's okay, I forgive you. But there's an aspect of walking in forgiveness that means that shows you that you will cover someone else's error. I will walk in forgiveness means that there are things that I do that cover. I will take care of and I will bear and I will cover those things of people that I love. It means to lift up. It says, Jesus says, if I am lifted up, I will draw all men to me. Forgiveness, I, I think sometimes we have made forgiveness actually a very narrow human-centric word. And what I'd like to do this morning is, 
is I want us to see forgiveness in light of Jesus. Because if you want to understand the Bible and what the Word of God means, you've got to take it within respect to Jesus, with respect to God. And for us to function and understand forgiveness, we can understand how Jesus walked in forgiveness. And there's a vertical aspect of forgiveness. And for us to understand how forgiveness flows this way, which is huge because it involves us every day, if we can understand how it works this way first. So I want to give you some thoughts. I want to give you some principles and some ideas. It means tolerant, to relieve, to release. When you forgive somebody, you release them. You also release yourself. Forgiveness is powerful. I think sometimes we justify unforgiveness. I've done it. Well, they did that on purpose, and because they did that on purpose, I will not extend forgiveness to them. And what happens now is how I have connected myself to this individual or this incident, and it stays with me. Pastor Winona and I, Pastor Winona and I we've, we've had some friends and some relationships with people, and we've had conversations with people, and in a five-minute conversation, that person can go back 25 years, rehearse an event from 25 years ago, and actually tell you the weather that day. And they know all the details from 25 years ago. And what they've done is they've carried that incident, they've carried that event, they've carried that person, they've carried that hurt with them for 25 years. And we've had conversations with people and we've said one thing and all of a sudden it's like all this emotion comes out and all this pent up emotion and it's like, where did, you know, we walked away and go, where did that come from? It's unforgiveness. But we've justified it. I was doing what I was supposed to do, therefore I shouldn't need to forgive them. Or I shouldn't need to ask for forgiveness. Or I shouldn't, because I was, I want to look at Jesus' example. Another word in the Bible for forgiveness is to grant as a favor. When you forgive someone's debt, you're granting as a favor. Have you ever thought of walking in forgiveness as, you know what? I get to grant a favor to this person. It means to pardon. It means freedom. I have seen people who have, and I'm sure many of you have, when you see someone accept Christ in their life, you actually can see their face change. I've seen it. I've seen somebody come and as we've talked and I've seen them either through myself interacting with them or somebody else interacting with them and they accept Christ. They have a point of decision where they accept Christ and they accept his forgiveness of their sin and I've actually seen them walk out with a different face, a different complexion and I've seen them walk in freedom. 
Forgiveness is freedom. I, I found this interesting. I looked up the word forgive and its history because it's, it's not a term that was necessarily in the Bible times. When the Bible was written 2,000 years ago, it was not necessarily used in those terms. And that's why we have nine different words or contexts that we see it. But as they interpreted the Bible, and in the 1600s, the word forgive was an appropriate word, and it comes from the Latin, and I found this interesting, to give completely without reservation. I like to give forgiveness with strings attached. Husbands, wives, have you ever had disagreement, and you want forgiveness, and you go to ask for forgiveness, and then it's like, I'll forgive you, but... Now, I will say that when you ask forgiveness, you need to change your behavior. So you don't just, you know, I'm sorry, honey, I snapped at you. Will you forgive me? She forgives me, and then two minutes later, I snap at her again. There's something wrong with that picture. So there is an aspect of changing behavior. But I found it interesting as I was studying this and going through this, Peter says, how many times do I need to forgive? Seventy times seven. Now, I don't care if you're a mathematician or if you're a symbolic person or the signs and the types. Seventy times seven is a large number. Even if it's seven times in one day. The same person, seven times in a row? I struggle with that, let alone 70 times 7. To give completely. And I like that word because the word for in this instance means uh, completely. The word for, the prefix for, F-O-R, means completely. And give means give. Did you catch that? So when you forgive, you give completely. You don't hold back. In a relationship, and, and I, I see this mostly, I have seen this in my relationship with my wife because she's my best friend, she's my closest confidant, and she's also the one that I've hurt the most. And you find that in close relationships. The ones that are closest to you quite often are the ones you hurt the most. And I have found that she is complete. She doesn't hold, she doesn't sit there. She does not journal my mistakes. Part. Okay, I hope that was not caught on tape. <laughs> but she doesn't come to me and say, you asked me to forgive you. I forgave you. And, but you know what? You're still, she forgives and she gives completely without reservation. This is, this is the word. Um, I found this really interesting. As you continue reading about the linguistic background of this word, it appears in the Old English, and it's a part German, and it's a part Old English, means to give up, allow. It also means, and I found this interesting, to give in marriage. The depth of the word forgiveness and forgive actually relates to relationship, to give in marriage. And I think every husband here and every wife here would say, yeah, that's a huge element in marriage. 
forgiveness. To give completely without reservation. And that's the Latin word is where we get the word pardon from. When you go in the legal sense and you ask for a pardon, they don't say, oh yeah, we'll give you a piece of paper, but we're going to keep record of it. A pardon means it's erased and it's gone. When somebody asks for a pardon, they are released from whatever that issue was. They don't keep a file and say, just in case file. They're pardoned. It's a powerful word. I want to I see how Jesus, Jesus, did he walk in forgiveness? He knew Judas would betray him. And he knew that before the night it happened. And he still loved on him, let him have lunch with him, let him have dinner with him, shared with him, and poured into him. He knew Peter would deny him. And Peter denied him ferociously. I, I, I can't figure this out. Peter went from one extreme to the other. He has conversations with Jesus to justify and to almost... some. Peter, and I've heard sermons about the words Peter has because Peter is probably one of the most out there disciples. You, you hear more comments from Peter than you do from just about any other disciple. And quite often his comments are really interesting comments. Such as, how many times do I have to forgive? No other disciple asked that question. I don't know if they went to Peter and says, well, let, Peter, can you ask this disciple? I don't, I don't know, but Peter is the guy that seems to, he's the one that, that walked on the water. He says, if it's you, Jesus, call me out. That's an interesting thought. How did he know it was Jesus? Because if it wasn't Jesus... He might have been called out anyways. So Peter is an interesting guy. He's the guy that, that goes from, and he, and he's, he says, hey, um, when John and James say, have their mother say, who's going to sit beside you? Peter's one of the guys that gets upset with them. Who are you to do? So Peter, you're going to deny me. And then his level and his actions and his emotion is huge. It's like he is, he's not just saying, no, I don't know Jesus. I mean, he is adamant. Within three days from that event, he sees Jesus, and Jesus loves him, pours into him, forgives him. When he's being nailed up on the cross. And they ridiculed him. They ridiculed him. They hit him. They put blindfolds on him. They hit him. They said, who is it that hit you? He's up on the cross between two thieves. And the one guy says, if you're the king of kings and you're everything they say you are, why don't you just rescue yourself? And in that context and in all that emotion, his words are, Father, forgive them. Wow. Pastor Daniel shared just this 
this morning the agony and the actually Jesus says, if it's possible that this cup would pass from me. I mean, that's, that's nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. There's another passage that says that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. The forgiveness that he granted was part of that was because he could see the joy before him. Have you ever given somebody forgiveness because you see that relationship in the future? And you say, I, I, I love this person and this relationship's going to be awesome in the future. Therefore, I will forgive now so that my future is clean and pure and better. I want you to see a few things about forgiveness and how Jesus operated in forgiveness. If you turn in your Bibles to Romans 5, and I've got about, I don't know, four or five, six verses that I want to go through, and I want to give you a few thoughts. And as I do this, I'm hoping that you will get a greater appreciation for what Christ has done for us, what he's done for me, what he's done for you. And each one of these verses are kind of sermons in themselves. And so I'm going to try to stay on task and discipline myself. But if we're in Romans 5, verse 8, it says, But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Christ didn't wait for us to get our act together because we could never get our act together. So he did while we were in the sinners. In another passage it says while we were enemies to him. While we were against him, he showed his love and he died for us on the cross. So what do I get out of that? I get out of that that forgiveness is ready in advance. I've always thought forgiveness only happened when somebody asked me. But here I see that Jesus operated in advance of you and I asking him. You could put that slide up. Forgiveness is ready in advance. If you're taking notes, you want to write this down. Do you have it there, Cora, or no? Okay. I thought I gave it, but I must have made a mistake. Well, you can write this down anyways. Forgiveness is ready in advance. Before you need it, it is already provided for. In Revelations 13, it says that he was slain from the foundation of the world, or before the world was he was already slain. It says your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Love, and I, I mentioned love and, and forgiveness, there is a connection. Love prepared a way before it was required. Now this is how Jesus modeled. This is the relationship vertically. This is how Jesus modeled 
and I'm a Christ follower, I'm a learner of Jesus, and as believers, you and I, when we accept Christ, we say, I'm no longer going to be learning those ways, I'm now learning His ways. And so you and I are both learners of Jesus. I am committed to learn how Jesus lived because when I can see how Jesus lived, it will help me to understand how to live. And he is the standard by which I live by. I don't live according to Plato, I don't uh, Plato or Plato. I don't live according to Socrates. I don't live according to Dr. Phil. I don't live according to Oprah. I don't live according to T.D. Jakes. I don't live according to this. I live according to Jesus. And he is the standard. So when I accepted him, I said, I will follow you. I will learn from you. So when I look at forgiveness, the best way for me to understand forgiveness is first of all to see how Jesus operated in forgiveness. Because when I see how he operates in forgiveness, that's where I need to align myself with and work at it. That's why Jesus, when Peter said, how many times do I forgive? And that was interesting because that's a question in advance. How many times? He didn't wait for somebody to offend him and then say, Jesus, do I need to forgive him? He said ahead of time, how many times do I need to forgive? And Jesus showed it that while I was yet a sinner, while I was an enemy of him, he died for me and forgave me. So he models it and he says to me, David, I operate in forgiveness before it's even required. That's challenging. Because if you are committed to operate and to walk in forgiveness before it happens, when it happens, your mindset should be forgiveness and not, I'm going to hold a grudge. Now, it's hard. I find it real easy to forgive somebody I've never met. I find it real easy to forgive somebody that said something and I don't even know them. But when it's somebody close, when it's my wife, when it's blood of blood and, and, and skin of skin, when it's somebody close, when it's a friend, when it's a brother, when it's a sister, when it's a, a relationship, when it's somebody I've poured into or when it's somebody who's poured into me and all of a sudden they do something, then it's like, can I renegotiate this forgiveness thing? Can I justify it? And my justification is in Christ. And he says, no. Have an attitude of forgiveness in advance. Now, I am not trying to belittle the hurts, and there are some legitimate hurts. And forgiveness is a process many times, especially in today's day and age with some of the abuse and some of the evil that has happened. But day-to-day relationships require a day-to-day forgiveness. Day-to-day things require... Don't, don't hang on to something any longer than the day on the calendar. Forgiveness. It's ready in advance. In 1 Peter 1, 20, if you want to go there, 1 Peter 
1, verse 20. Listen to this. In verse 18, it says, Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. And this is what I want you to see. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him we believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. He was foreordained, preordained, foreordained before the foundation of the world. Your value of your life, the forgiveness that he had for you was already from the foundation of the world. Forgiveness is ready in advance. I want you to write that down. Forgiveness does not wait for the event to happen. And the event will happen. If you've got a relationship with anybody, the relationship will have this moment where forgiveness is required. And if you wait that moment to figure out what forgiveness is, Compared to walking in forgiveness, walking in an attitude, and having it ready in advance. It says in the Bible, offenses are going to come. And you can either build the offense and build offense, or you can destroy it with forgiveness. And Jesus models this. And he models it by forgiving in advance. While we were enemies, while we were enemies, I'm trying to give us a bit of a picture of how Christ operated because as Christ followers he dictates how I live. As a as someone who is learning of Christ and I am continually learning of Christ. I am learning how he looks at things. And my commitment to him is that I will follow you, Christ. I will learn of you. So when you say something to me, I will take that and I will change that. I was talking to an individual recently who said to me, you know what? I was reading the Bible and the Bible said to me, I need to change. He said, so I changed. That is powerful. Because I've heard people who say, well, I read the Bible, but I'm not really sure it was talking about me. Well, you know, that was 2,000 years ago. A lot has changed since then. We got the internet now. Next thing I'd like you to see about forgiveness, it was given on the cross. And if you could turn to Colossians chapter 2. Forgiveness was given on the cross it was fixed to the cross. I want you to see that, that it was fixed. 
It was fixed. It was fixed. The enemy wants to condemn you, but I'm here to tell you that your forgiveness was fixed to the cross. You don't have to keep beating yourself up. It was dealt with once and for all. In Hebrews, it says once and for all. That sacrifice was once made, and it was good for all. And in Colossians 3, or chapter 2, verse 13 and 14, it says, And you, talking about me and you, being dead in our trespass and the uncircumcision of our flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. And one of the words trespass is connected with forgiveness in the fact that sin... And sin is a miss. Sin is missing the aim. Sin is a misstep. Sin is an error. And he says, you've trespassed. When somebody has a piece of property, you can put a sign up that says no trespassing. That means don't go onto that piece of property. And if you do, you're going beyond your allowed limits. Forgiveness was given on the cross. It was fixed to the cross. And it says that we having forgiven you all of our our trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Those handwriting... When the enemy comes and says, you're not good enough, you can say, no, he's nailed that to the cross. He nailed it to the cross. He didn't just put a little sticky tack on there or Velcro and it comes off. He nailed it to the cross. It is on the cross and it stayed there. It didn't come back and go forward. It stayed there. It was dealt with once. The forgiveness. This this is our Savior. Before you were born, He saw your name. He saw you. And he says, I forgive them. And if somebody says, well, what if they do this? I forgive them. Well, what if I forgive them? This is our Savior. This is the one who I follow. This is the one who I said, I want to learn about you and I want to learn to become like you. And he says, okay, David, if you want to learn of me, here's a step for you. Here's something about it. Forgiveness. And I say, okay. And he says, are you ready to forgive in advance? Well, I don't know what they're going to do. What if they hurt me? What if they say all kinds? What if they slander me? What if they post things about me? What if, what if they say things behind my back? What if they say things in front of me? What if, he says, are you ready to forgive in advance? Because David, you said you will follow me and I showed and displayed forgiveness on the cross 2,000 years ago and in fact, not just when I actually did it, but I was actually slain before the foundation of the world. So as far as history goes, you were forgiven from that point forward. I want to learn of you, Christ. That's a pretty tough lesson. Not only that, but he fixed it. (laughs) He fixed it to the cross. 
Have you ever had an argument with somebody and they bring something up from last week? You say, well, yeah, all the time. Have you ever had an argument with somebody and they bring something up from a month ago? Five years ago? Fifteen years ago? There are people who are living in their past life. And every time something happens, instead of saying, I nailed it back there and I'm not bringing it up, we have, oh, just wait a minute, let me hit my computer. And January 18th, 1993, at 6.58 in the morning, and it was a little cold outside, you said... I've done it. So I know you're more righteous than I am, and I thank you for that. But when the hurt goes deep, and it's one thing when when somebody you don't know says something, but when somebody you know and you love and you care about, that takes takes forgiveness to a whole other level. That's like, was that about me, Jesus, or was that like about the strangers? Peter says, how many times do I have to forgive my brother? I got eight of them. I have never done the math, but that's a lot. It was fixed. I love that because he doesn't bring it into my current and say, David, and he doesn't wave it in front of me and say, you're still having this problem. He doesn't wave it in front of me and say, look at this. No, it says all those things that were written about me, handwritten, and the bill that was against me was nailed to the cross. When I accepted him and he accepted me and he gave me, granted me forgiveness, before I even asked for it, he granted it. And I came to him and I asked him and he says, yes, I've forgiven your sin. He said in that statement, I will not bring it up again, David. Now that's the vertical. This part, oh Lord, help me. But when we see and when we commit ourselves and say, I am a Christ follower and I will learn of Christ, I am committing myself to reading his word and saying, okay, Lord, help me. Because if I'm not doing it according to your word, help me. And one of the ways you can walk in forgiveness with somebody else is you cannot bring it up again. And you say, yeah, but that's my advantage. No, it's not your advantage. In fact, fact, it's your disadvantage. Another verse. In 1 Peter 2, we're going to go back to 1 Peter. First Peter 2. I love the sound of babies. It's the sound of life. Can you imagine new believers coming to church? And something happens to them and they, they don't know what to say because they're just a new babe in Christ. Are we going to love them like we love our kids? I, I think God's, I, I'm, I'm serious when I say this, I think God has given us and is giving us an example of how we take care of our little ones, and we've got so many of them running into our knees. But he's saying this is a picture 
of you spiritually. And I believe, and I'm, I'm, I'm serious when I say this, I believe when we see and understand how we love our children and we can turn that into loving someone who's just a new believer, I believe the world will be changed and our lives will be changed. Anyway, that was a side note. First Peter 2, forgiveness, was given on the cross. It was fixed on the cross. 21 to 25. For to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example. Say that, an example. He left us an example. I am a Christ follower. He left me an example. I don't get to say, well, that was Jesus and this is me. He left me an example. He left you an example. He left me an example on how I am to relate to my wife, my closest confidant, my best friend. He left me an example how I am to live according to you, Nancy. He left me a, a, an instruction and an example of how I am to live to somebody who hurts me, who says bad things about me. He left an example, and it says here that he left us an example. For this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Oh, I love it when the Bible makes no wiggle room. Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. That's an example that he wants you and I to emulate. In a relationship, you will not hear me speaking evil of somebody else. That's hard. I get cut off on the freeway and I speak in tongues. I had it last week. A guy passed me. You know what my first response was? Step on the gas and get on their bumper. God help me. And what would be worse is if I knew them. Have you ever thought about that? Like it's one thing if it's a complete stranger, but what if somebody passes you and you get upset and you ride on their heel, on their bumper, on their trunk, or you pull up beside them and you give them the evil eye and you look and it's a friend of yours. <laughs> like, oh God, forgive me. Who committed no sin. Nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled and ridiculed, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. I got one word for you. That's my example. That's hard. Why did you have to... Because relationships sometimes are hard. Family sometimes is the most messy thing around. Can we be honest? Family, they take advantage of me. Because I just say, sure. So now they just keep piling it on me. Because I just do it. So family, it, they, they just run me. They just expect me to do it every single time. Family. 
A stranger doesn't. Okay, I'm meddling there, I know. He did not threaten, committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree. He was fixed to the cross. He bore it on the tree. He doesn't bring it back again. He doesn't. He was resurrected, but he doesn't resurrect those things. We've worked a resurrection ministry of resurrecting past hurts, but we can't live a resurrected life. If we put as much effort into our resurrection and a resurrected life as we do as resurrecting old things, I think we'd be amazed at what happens. He bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. I mean, he just slips that in there. I think sometimes healing has a lot to do with living according to the way Christ wants us to live. In fact, if you were to study forgiveness in a psychological or a psychosomatic framework, you would find that people who forgive have lower blood pressure, sleep better, don't have the chronic illnesses as much. It's, you say it's a big... There's studies that have shown. I have seen people who don't walk in forgiveness, who have been bound, bound up. And Jesus says, by the way, by my stripes you're healed. The, whole, the, the cross, to me, the cross is not just a piece of wood. To me, the cross is the place of greatest exchange. The cross, everything came, and at the cross, he says, it's finished. At the cross, you exchange your filthy rags for his righteousness. At the cross, you exchange your sin for his justification. At the cross, you exchange your health for his stripes that you're healed. At the cross, you exchange those things that you could never do for the one who says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. It's at the cross that the exchange happens. And as I've been studying this, and, and I want to spend a, probably another week on forgiveness, because I've been tr today I've been trying to look at forgiveness from this perspective. I've been trying to understand it because for me to deal with forgiveness this way, I must first understand it this way. For me to understand how to love my wife, I need to see how Christ did it. So for me to understand forgiveness this direction, I want to have a groundwork and lay down on this work. So in a few weeks from now, I will preach again on forgiveness. You don't want to miss it because you're going to miss half of it. And I want to deal with forgiveness in this direction. But we can't figure life out this way if we haven't understood life this way. 
I am a Christ follower. I am a Christ learner. I am somebody who is following Christ. If I want to understand how these things work, I first of all need to understand how this works. And he says, my forgiveness, David, was already there. My forgiveness was ready in advance. So we'll get to that in a few weeks. But I'm hoping, as I've laid this out for you, that you will see a picture of forgiveness of how Christ lived and forgave. And the model that he gave on the cross. And the fact that it says, I'm your example. Man, sometimes when I read that, it's like he takes all my excuses away. When I read how he forgave me, and then he says, David, this is my example. I have no excuse. I have no wiggle room. Because as he forgave, and at this time of year, Easter, where we remember and we see pictures of the cross all over the place at this time of year. We see it in front of us. It's at the cross at that point of exchange where he says, I will take your stuff and I will exchange it for what I've done. So I am committed to walking on this side of the cross. And I am a Christ follower. And I will say, and you can correct me later if you want, but I would say you're a Christ follower. And you're a Christ learner. And therefore, the book, the Bible, the words in here relate to me. And as I follow Christ, I see how he did it. And I am committed. And I will make mistakes. Please understand, I will make mistakes. Please understand, your wife, your husband, your brother, your sister will make mistakes. But it's when they make a mistake, are you ready to say, I forgive you in advance because Christ forgave me in advance. And to me, it's not just forgiveness, but we're looking at forgiveness, but the whole cross, the symbol of Easter. It's a point of exchange. My challenge to you today is if you would consider yourself and be accountable to yourself. I'm not asking you to be accountable to somebody else. Accountable to yourself and accountable to God to say, I want to be a Christ follower and I want to learn how to forgive and to walk day to day. I got to be honest with you. It's a challenge. But I will tell you this much. I am committed to offering you forgiveness before you even ask for it. Because that's required of me. I've offended some people recently. And you know what? I went to them, they came to me, and it was dealt with that fast. Don't let something hold back what Christ has modeled and shown.
I want to deal with it in a few weeks because I believe there's some biblical principles and some examples in the scriptures of how relationships worked when there was forgiveness involved. But before we do that, I want us to understand how Christ forgave you. While you were an enemy. While you were an enemy, he says, I'll die for him. I mean, I serve an amazing God. You serve an amazing God. Because I'm sure if you were to say the litany of things, he'd say, no, that was nailed to the cross. That was nailed to the cross. I don't bring it up again. He says, I'll work on an area, David, because I'm going forward. I'm not bringing up the past. I'm going forward. You need to work on this area. Let's move forward. Amen. Are you thankful for what Christ did for you? What he did for you is an example of what you can do for someone else. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, at this amazing time of the year when the whole world is talking Easter and looking at it and they don't understand it, they put a rabbit in its place, or they've done this and they've done that, we understand and we know the price that you paid and the example that you lived so that we could live in freedom. And you did it completely without reservation. And Lord, as a Christ follower this morning, I am going to emulate and work at that in my life. That I may follow you and I will learn from you. And if you're here this morning and you haven't accepted Christ I'm here to tell you his offer is forgiveness, right standing, justification, sanctification, health, wholeness, truth, beauty for ashes, joy for mourning. And it is as simple as saying, I believe in you, Jesus, and I accept you. And with my mouth I confess that you are the King of kings and you are the Lord of lords and you are the Savior of my life. And with my heart, I believe that you are the one who changes my life. And for those of us that are believers, may we walk as our Savior and the example that he gave for us. And Lord, I pray that you'd bless everyone here. Cause your face to shine on them. Bless them as they go in. Bless them as they go out. Would their hands see miracles? Would their voices bring triumph and victory in places? Bless them, Lord, as we are followers of you. In your name, amen. God bless you. Have an amazing week.